Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition. I am Ron Kolick, and with me all the way across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Stephen Parsons. Good evening. How are you? Okay. That's good. So, anyways, you're back home. You must feel really happy. I'm always happy. You know that. Never happier than, yeah. Never happier. Have we got our guest yet? Is it working? So, go on then, what's the gossip? I believe you go to see the Hall of Mirrors tonight. Yes, I am. The Hall of Mirrors, that'll be at Circles of Wisdom with the the guest from, uh, was it last show, a couple of shows ago, uh, Deb Rees, of your neck of the woods, actually. So... Yeah, just just down the road. So what? What? So so for the benefit of um, still waiting on what? I have no idea what's happening here. Um, so for the benefit of our listeners who don't know about the Hall of Mirrors, do you want to just um, enlighten us? Right. It's uh, uh, you have to handle that because I've got to take care of this. <laughs> Okay, well, the Hall of Mirrors basically is, um, well, actually, I was hoping Rob would explain because I, I actually don't know. Um, I, it's a bit remiss of me, I guess. Um, yeah, it, basically, it's uh, scrying, a new, a new form of scrying uh, where, uh, where you look in, but you, you actually supposedly get to see your Sam, uh, your spirit guide by gazing in the mirror so it should be interesting and I think I've sorted this mess out so uh, we're okay now okay okay well that's cool um, but I thought it was it, it's, so it's not like I, I imagined with literally lots of mirrors or multiple mirrors sort of angling backwards and forwards in a sort of like kaleidoscope effect uh, I have no clue I'll there. I know that uh, there will be multiple mirrors yes uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah. So, are we going? When are we going to find out then? Because I, I presume you're going to have to enlighten us that, uh, next week after, because it's later today, isn't it? Your time, but yeah, it that, is. Yeah, so I'll, I'll let it go. Yeah. So, anyways, I believe I guess the sort out, and we're all set with that right now. So, there you are go. we? Well, that's I cool. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh, well, there you go. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Not that I can see anything at the moment, because for some reason all of the all of the Skype screens are all failing and falling apart. Oh, interesting. No, you're yeah. still loud, and uh, since I don't know who the guest is, I guess it's something you have to handle. Well, I'll happily introduce the guest. Do we have the guest on the line? Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, tonight's guest is someone who started the ghost hunting career at age three and a bit. Um, and have been to many of Britain's spookiest places. They've been to Murray King's Close in Edinburgh. Cool. Uh, they, 
been to Camelhead Shipyard, home, uh, which was part of the filming of Most Haunted. They've even appeared on the Discovery Network uh, in a program dedicated to uh, science and learning for youngsters on the Discovery Kids Network. Um, and they're just starting their second year at university learning psychology, uh, to do a psychology degree, as the first stage in a weird desire to become a parapsychologist someone we've had on the show a long time ago um, and I think called the slayer of mediums so it's my daughter Helen, hi Helen hiya so, wait a minute, slayer of mediums where, where oh yeah that, Taylor? Uh, well actually it was Andrew Baphomet Taylor who, who was the one who um, gave her that if that ain't the pot calling the Christmas black <laughs> <laughs> Well, she she was. Uh, this came about actually a long time ago. We were on a we were on the Camel Erds investigation, which people can go to the Parascience website and read about. And at the time, we had a sponsor, um, and the sponsor's sister declared herself to be psychic and kind of got invited along one night and conducted a séance. At this at this stage, Helen would have been about seven or eight if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a voice just loud enough for everybody to hear in the quiet of the seance, Helen leaned across and said, the medium's a loony brain. She's making it up. No way. No way. <laughs> way. <laughs> oh, my God. So you're, so you're a chip off the old block then, evidently, Helen. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, why go into go- parapsychology? I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. There's no money in that. Well, it, it's something that's always interested me. I've grown up seeing my dad do it, and I've always wanted to do it myself. It's uh-huh. one of those uh- things. I've always been into the weird and the wacky stuff. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll certainly blame your dad for that. That's for sure. <laughs> But uh, you, you have gone on a bunch of investigations, and, and, and you became known as the medium slayer. Do you believe in mediums at all? I don't know. I'm very skeptical when it comes to mediums. So when my friends are like, oh, we're going to go to this psychic night, do you want to come? I tend to stay well clear. I find it quite a lot of rubbish. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I've never been a believer of mediums. What? Why? I mean, you said you like the weird, you like the, you know, you're curious. Why just poo-poo the whole bunch of them? I don't know. It's just, they don't seem believable. They always pick up on the the obvious. And they always, when you go to the shows, they do the whole, I'm getting a name that begins with P. And I feel like they look out and see who reacts to that and it's a lot of cold reading i'd say it's, it's more of a comedy act than anything okay i could see that in like the gallery readings or whatever you call them in, in the uk but i mean how about on a paranormal investigating when you when you have a medium that goes along gives you some certain information uh do you i are you even open to that or, or are you just like discarding it totally I mean, if a medium could give you information that you could 100% guarantee they wouldn't have known before, then fair play. But there's never that way of 100% knowing that they haven't researched it before they've been. Even though shows like Most Haunted say, you know, 
the medium has never been to this location. They don't know about this location. It's not hard to use Google and find out information. See, I told you she was harsh on mediums. Yeah, she's not harsh. She's just uh, totally closed mind to it, which is it's really bothering me because she wants to go into a, a, in a field that's not going to be 100% at any time, and yet you picked on this one particular subject to close your mind to, and I don't understand that. It's more... I mean, I, I do think there is things that can't be explained, okay. but it's more the mediums that are so much, like, in the publicity. Like, they want to make money off it, and they're the ones that I really don't like because I feel like they use people to put money in their own back pocket. So th- that's what it is, then. It's the ones that, that profit from it that have turned your mind from all mediums in general. Yeah, it's it's sort of that thing where one small minority can turn it for a whole group. I think that's, in a way, what's happened with psychics and mediums. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if a medium came along and they managed to do something that there was no explanation for, I'd be just as flabbergasted as the next person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, when I started this, I used to be, I used to call myself psychic or medium as a brick. Yet uh, now I call myself a dumb psychic and that, you know, I, I, I at least will attempt to try to do this stuff and stuff comes through. And, and a lot of times I have no idea where it comes from, but uh, there is some validity to it. So, uh, you know, if if you're depriving your mind of that set, then you're losing out of the chance of maybe trying to understand something that's, that uh, you know, maybe there is some validity to. But the thing, the thing here is though, there is this uh, again um, a common mis- misperception and misconception uh, when when dealing with ghost investigations, the investigations of the paranormal, mm-hmm. that we have that we have to take any account of mediums at all, because it, it, there is no necessary link between um, between ghosts, apparitions poltergeist and the survival of death which is something that mediums do deal with now in fairness to Helen her, her, her experience has been predominantly uh, aimed at ghost hunting and her, her exposure to psychics and mediums has been somewhat limited um, there have been I think two or three occasions down the years when a psychic or a medium has get provided information that has later been um, shown to have been very very difficult for them to have obtained but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, it, it wasn't obtainable. But I think that this idea that you you can be you're in some way a defective investigator because you are anti-medium is slightly disingenuous because it depends on what your particular emphasis on mediumship is, uh, on investigation is. If you mm-hmm. are someone who is interested in studying psychics and mediums and Psi, clairvoyance, telepathy, then of course you're going to study mediumship. But if you're someone who's predominantly interested in studying apparitions, poltergeists, haunted houses, the the psychophysical phenomena, then the, the mediumship is something that probably doesn't really pop up on your radar very much, nor should it. Now, that's interesting because, I mean, you're the one that always says that, you know, parapsychologists shouldn't be ghost hunting. And, and yet you took the one subject that 
you know, kind of be dismissed. So it doesn't make sense. How do you mean I, I want subject I've dismissed? Well, you, you said if your interest is in ghost hunting and so yeah. forth, but you're always telling me parapsychologists <laughs> don't belong in ghost hunt. Of course they don't. Uh, because what, because parapsychologists, as Lloyd Auerbach, who is a parapsychologist, said, I mean, first of all, they lack the social skills. Um, oh, I'll tell Lloyd that. <laughs> well, that's what Lloyd said. If you play back the recording of our show, it was Lloyd that said they lack the uh-huh. social skills. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But you, the problem is that we focused on mediumship and this idea that, that it, we, as ghost hunters, we should be even interested in what they're doing and you know frankly we shouldn't they have no relevance to ghost hunting or apparitions yes they are involved in it but they are not the be all and end all because a medium is wrong because the medium could be getting information doesn't necessarily reflect on any validity of, of the the haunting mm-hmm. but i mean that's like if you consider a medium just as another tool in your tool back as a as a tri-field meter or, or, or anything else that you use, then I, I don't see the problem with it. Well, I mean, essentially, I would say that the, the, the tri-field meter, with all its faults, is probably more accurate than most mediums. Mm-hmm. And at least, you know, at least you can test the accuracy of the tri-field meter against a known reference. You can't do that with the medium uh, in any way, shape, or form. They can waffle on and say endlessly what they want. You have no way of testing them. You don't. You just don't. Helen, see him off. <laughs> um, I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't. <laughs> he, he needs the help. I feel like I've just opened oh, a of worms and let it go. <laughs> I, I, I certainly don't need any help. Um, oh, really? But but this idea that yeah, I mean, you're you're once again falling for that common uh, mistake. That oh, here we go. I'm falling for it. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Well, you just you you already have done because you are mixing ghost hunting, the 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 search for. If, if your theory is that that uh, paranormal activity is occurred occurred by the uh, the the soul or whatever the essence of human beings beyond our realm, then no, you're not mixing it up. You're not certainly on the wrong track. Uh, you're well, certainly there you, go. you just demonstrated that you are because at no point. In fact, I've said the exact opposite that there is absolutely no suggested link between. Right, but who cares ghost- what you say? You're just well, one person, and, well, and uh, as we demonstrated- all know. If we all stayed in the same little box uh, and didn't step outside of that box, we wouldn't learn anything. We'd just be living in a flat world. Oh, wait a minute. We are living in a flat world. That's you, true. You give, you give me, you demonstrate any evidence where there is a suggested link between ghosts and survival of bodily death. There isn't any. And that's been made clear by psychical Excuse researchers. Me, just, just psychical researchers have been making the point uh, your great hero and mine, Harry Price, made the point uh, nearly 80 years ago when he said that there is no link beco- uh, between survival oh, and bodily death. Yet, which yet is, he used mediums, yet he used uh, the... No, he didn't use, no, he didn't use mediums. He tested oh, me. Did you read the Bordley Rextory book? Maybe, uh, uh, maybe I've read the wrong book, but... Uh, well, there's only one of us that has. The, <laughs> The, the Harry Price never used the mediums. Harry Price tested mediums. He was he was keen and he he actively promoted those mediums who he 
had tested and he found to be valid. That was completely separate from haunting investigations, for example, at Borley and, uh, say, the Battersea Poltergeist case he did as well. So why why did he include the uh, planchette? Oh, what? Chip? what? Because he was documenting the total case. Ah, okay. Anyways, we have a guest, so I, I really don't like... Yeah, I, I don't mean, want to pop in You've latched on the fact that Andy Taylor called her the, the medium slayer. Right. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to try to hopefully oh. open her mind a little bit just because, you know, she's stuck under your your tootle ships. Uh, that's the problem. Believe me, that's no bad thing. Yeah, well, okay. Of course, you are the gold standard in ghost hunting. Yeah, don't forget it. I am the yes, ghost standard. Yes, you are, you are, yeah. That's right, yeah. Anyways, uh, Helen, how are you? Uh, <laughs> so are you going to uh, university for this uh, parapsychology degree, and which one are you planning on attending? I'm doing it with the Open University. Uh, uh, what, what is that? I'm sorry. I'm, we're not in the, in the U.S. We're, I'm not familiar with that. The Open University, it's an online one. So okay. instead of having to attend an actual like university you do it all through the online but you do have to attend some tutorials but it's just a lot easier because i work as well mm-hmm. it makes no, it easier no i'm not saying anything gets it that's a good idea i, I actually <laughs> believe in a lot of those courses are um, quite useful and uh oh that's the, the the open university is actually a fully recognized within the, in the U- united kingdom a fully recognized educational institution it's been going for about 40 years now yeah, we, uh, we have it's, we it's, have some in the US as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, as opposed to just normal online courses. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and this is year two, isn't it, H? It is. Yeah. So one more year after this. No, four more years. Four more years. Yeah, I'm doing it part time. Oh, of course. Uh-huh. Hopefully, hopefully, Dad's paying for all this, right? No, student time. Uh, Oh, that's too bad. Uh, we have student grants here in the UK still, fortunately. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, um... Fortunately, I've got to pay it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, Helen, uh, you've gone on investigations with your dad, and, and other than the one where you, you called uh, the medium a bunch of bollocks, um... <laughs> <laughs> Where, where did you find any of them intriguing, and what particular part of the investigating did you find intriguing? I mean, I found them all really intriguing, especially being so young. My my mind obviously played a lot of tricks on me, so they were always interesting, and I can't say they were ever boring. Mm-hmm. But the the most interesting part for me was when we used to do the measurements, and you could see whether things had changed, and it was more the sciencey side of it rather than the I don't really know where. The spooky like, side. Yeah, it was more always the science side that intrigued me. Seeing how, if there was an apparition or anything happening, would affect the body and like the environment around it, rather than how it would affect your mental state. Mm-hmm. Because being in obviously being in a dark room is going to affect your mental state anyway, regardless of whether anything in that environment's changing. Right. Now, do you critique your father's work as well? No. Oh. That's a shame. I mean, that's a, never. That's a shame. <laughs> as I said the last time I was on, I never really liked 
when we used to sit in the the dark in the middle of the night and have to use torches to read the meters and things but he he, he changed that pretty quickly so it's the only problem i've ever had okay <laughs> and um I guess, you know, I mean, you said you like the measure and you like all the uh, calibrations. So is that part of what you're studying? Will you study more on instrumentation and calibration and, and uh, you know, the environmental science end as well? Or is it just strictly the psychological aspects? I mean, this year I'm doing the psychological part of psychology. So I'm doing all about mental health. But last year I did social science, which was looking a lot at how environmental factors can affect the way people are, and I want to go more into that end of psychology. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that would be interesting to do a profile up on your father. Yeah. <laughs> do you know we're going to? I may fund out. that. I may fund that. You know. Yeah, we're we're going to have to get Ron Junior on to uh, to uh, perhaps I'll fund Ron Junior to do a disparaging discourse on on his father. Ah, he hates me. It's not a problem. Not the only one. It's all slanted. <laughs> but but I mean, it, I think I mean it, it's pretty cool. Um, that the next generation are taking an interest because I know I know your son Ron Junior is also a keen and a critical. In fact, I would say he's probably more critical than you in some areas. Of course, he is. Uh, so you know, his he, he, they they've got the benefit of our uh, experience. Plus, they've developed their own critical thinking. Which I don't know. I I think it's probably the cynicism in the world today that has just been passed down. We couldn't have inherited any of that cynicism from anybody that we know, by any chance, could he? Like, his dad, for no. instance. No, no, not at all. Not at, no, absolutely no way. Not at all. No, no. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Maybe we should right. get him up as our guest one night. Because, uh, I think the last time Helen was on, didn't we have Ron Jr. on? Yes, we did. We had the both of them on, yep. That's it. So, uh, because it it is nice uh, for any parent when their child when you know the, the child sort of joins in or follows in their interest because it it, it at least shows you waste your entire life <laughs> in in some sort of pursuit of the weird and strange. So, uh, Helen, uh, when you do get your degree, and do you plan to do field work or more laboratory work? I I don't really know at the moment. At the moment, I think I prefer to do more field work because I like to be more hands-on and like, experience it like face-to-face rather than hiding in a lab and studying other people's evidence and things. Yeah. But, I mean, that could all change. I've still got another four years to find out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. A little better echo there. Uh, anyways... You know, I, I find it intriguing that, you know, it, it, it does take a, a great deal of study, as you mentioned, almost, what, six years to uh, tame this. So you have a, a dedication towards it, which is, I find uh, very admirable, and especially in this society, because everybody is so into instant gratification. Uh, and, and I think that's and, and, and I, that's my opinion about uh, what's going on in the in the ghost hunting world is that we want all this instant gratification. We want these, uh, you know, 
ghost pictures, anything we get, we got to publish right away because they're, they're ghost pictures and they're, and you know, and these sounds are, you know, voices of the dead. And we've got to put them up without really doing quite a lot of analytical work to it. Uh, do you kind of agree with that or, or, or not? I'm not really in it for the instant gratification. I feel like if something's good, it's worth doing properly, worth waiting for. So I feel like as long as I take my time to do this, get everything that I need under my belt, I can be the best I can be rather than just rushing into it and being sort of mediocre. That's cool. Like, you must have got that from your mother, I guess, huh? <laughs> Sorry, Steve, did you say something? I, I just... I... No, I was just clearing my throat. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, very good. So, um, can do you think um, psychology or parapsychology can be integrated more into the ghost hunting field than it currently is? I think it could be. I mean, obviously, psychology itself is it's a wide range of different areas, and there's lots of them that don't re- that kind of get overlooked a lot. I mean, like, when, with ghost hunting as well, like, psychology focuses a lot on mental health. And, I mean, surely if someone's got a mental health problem, then they're going to... If they're put in an environment and told, this place is haunted, spooky things will happen, something's going to start playing on the, their mind more than it would on someone who doesn't suffer from a mental health condition. So I feel like that could be integrated more. Um, I feel like social factors need to be looked into more than they are at the moment. A lot of it's just purely based on what the environment of the place they're investigating is. But I don't really think a lot of it's their home life. Because obviously if if you come from a bad environment at home, you go somewhere else, that environment, even though you're leaving the environment behind, the effects will still come with you. So I feel like that needs to be looked into as well. That's, that's, that's really intriguing because, you know, I, you hear so many cases that uh, people who say they, they grew up in a haunted house and they'll move and they'll say that the ghosts went with them and everything. So is it really the ghost that's going with them or is, or is it, a, you know, the ghost of their minds, uh, their upbringing, their whatever conditions. I feel like it, it's probably more in their mind if it's a ghost traveling with them. As from what I believe, ghosts tend to latch onto things that are their, their, their property. And if they leave that behind, why would the ghost go with them? Surely that's going to be in their mind that they're hearing these things, seeing these things, experiencing. Yeah, the uh, I know that it, sometimes you you, you cult, oh, we're almost up to the break, but uh, I know that culture gets involved. For instance, the Russians believe that you have a house ghost, and when you do move to a new house, you take your ghost with you. So keep that in mind. But we have to take a break right now. So you're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International right here on Tojinet Pararex, uh, Planet Paranormal, wherever else we are. Oh, Astronet. And uh, with Steve Parsons and Ron Colick and our special guest, Helen. And we'll be right back after the following messages.
Hey, listen, high atop of Nuns Hill in Groveland stands the Chapel of the Little Missionary Sisters of Charity in VZ Memorial Park. This serene scene will be the location for one of the most extraordinary events ever to be held. For three days and two nights, these sacred grounds will host the realm of Dan Brown's best-selling novels, Angels and Demons, and The Da Vinci Code. As part of the event, like in the novels, you'll become a symbolologist and follow a set of clues on your own quest to find a missing relic. And there's so much more. Costume dining with the dead, a conclave, a Da Vinci ghost hunt, red light seance, workshops and presentations, a papal death mask, a replica of the Shroud of Turin, and speakers like Keith Johnson from Ghost Hunters, Steve Parsons from the UK, psychic artist Nancy Smith, and Ron Kolick from Ghost Chronicles, and many others. Go to NewEnglandGhostProject.com, that's NEGhostProject.com, or CirclesOfWisdom.com for more information and to purchase tickets. Or call 978-455-6678. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. for the Van Helsing movie fades away into the dim and distant memories. We're joined uh, back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International, uh, where our special guest is my daughter Helen, the next generation of the Van Helsing Slayers. <laughs> yeah, evidently. Yeah, sorry, medium slayers. And, and of course, my co-host, uh, uh, the man from the Hall of Mirrors, the man that they couldn't kill. No matter how hard. Yeah, no matter how hard. How so, many times. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what were we talking about before the break? You said hold that thought, so we're holding that thought. And we've forgotten immediately what you said. No, I just uh, I was I was curious when she mentioned that uh, about psychology, and and I know that cultural differences coming involved too. I mean, you have like the Russians who believe that. Uh, when you have a house ghost, you take your ghost with you when you move into a new house. And, and the Greeks believe in uh, that the, the spirit roams the earth for 40 days after they die. Uh, so you do have these cultural aspects that get involved in, in uh, the paranormal and, and ghost hunting, actually, if you look at it that way. You do actually. Interestingly, the Russians have, a far, I think, far, probably far more uh, open-minded to the possibility of the paranormal than than, than many uh, in the West. Um, uh, there's been many notable psychical experiments, um, experiments into mediumship, and your particular area of interest, of course, physical mediumship. Um, mm-hmm. <coughs> ooh, um, have been conducted in, in Russia. Um, the uh, you, you I can't remember her name now. You, Eugenia Kulajena. Um, you got me on that one. Yeah, it's, she's she's the very famous Russian psychic, of course, um, who uh, would had the ability to move objects using psychokinesis. Um, but Russia has got a long history of psychic exploration. Um, yeah, you got Carrie in photography, and uh, who's that spoon? Been, oh, that was Gary. Oh, far, far, far more than just that. I mean, they're only the headline acts. Um, yeah. But of course, Russia, the, the work from behind the Iron Curtain has always been largely ignored or dismissed by the West as being uh, propaganda. Uh, or sort of this sort of pushing of it can't be true because it's in Russia. But of course, the, uh, the Eastern Bloc, uh, particularly uh, Russia, does have a long history of involvement in paranormal activity, uh, paranormal research. But I said the Eastern Bloc because uh, the former Eastern Bloc countries like Poland um, mm-hmm. and Latvia have all been sort of closely involved with paranormal psychical research. Rowdiva famously uh, was a Latvian. Um, some of the great mediums have been Polish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, of course, we, we just touched on the Russians um, because... Because we did. Yeah, what's interesting is, is uh, Al Helen, I have to ask you that. Did you hear what your father just said? He said some of the great mediums were uh, Polish. Did you did you hear that? Were I, coming. I, f- I know. Saying somebody's a great medium doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that they're a good medium. It just simply means. Oh, oh they're no, a, that means they're great. They're even better. No. No, yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. Hang on, Look hang up on. Look it up hang in a dictionary. Wait a minute. Great is not an accreditation of their ability. It's an accreditation of their, their noteworthiness. Oh, really? Really? You yeah. didn't say famous. You just said great, noting great, that great, they were great. excellent in their their no. uh, aspect of their trade. So, yeah, I, I'll take that as, as a... You, you can, but you're, you're once again abusing the differences between English oh, right, yeah. K and English American. Uh-huh. And we all know where that leads. Right. Yes, carry on. So some of the great mediums, uh, and, uh, in, uh, uh, uh. and in fact, um, as we discussed earlier, we're back to this mediumship thing again, isn't it? It's like uh, you brought it up. I was fascinated. Sitting here being a good boy, and you brought it up. I was, you know. I did bring it up. Uh, I, I had moved in on. The context, in the context, I was talking of- about ghosts. Great as in recognized. Social parapsychology, but uh, you want to always bring it back to mediums, so I guess you can. Carry on then. Carry on. 
But which one so, is it carrying on? I don't know. So, uh, yeah, Helen, uh, I noted, you know, what I said was about uh, how uh, uh, social uh, customs get, get involved, too. Is, is that something you'd be studying as well, uh, how, how uh, you're upbringing, uh, so, um, what's not the word looking for, your ethnic upbringing uh, affects your, uh, your train of thought? Yeah, I mean, I think that is something that would affect the way that you react to spooky environments. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, but my mind's gone completely blank. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you two talk about mediums. It's just blown. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we get on that. Yeah, I try to go by on that subject, but your father threw it up again. It's. Just... But um, can I point out that? Yes, please do. When it comes to social environments, that's mm-hmm. more sociology rather than psychology. Right. Psych is the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously social is the social environment. But I, I do think the two can be blended together, as I found out last year when I got a bit of a shock and discovered I was doing social psychology. See? Yeah, so see so C, C means what? That's what I mean. That's that's pretty amazing, uh, you know. That I, I think it, it it does play a. I mean, your up, ethnic upbringing does affect your strictly, uh, not strictly, but affects your psychology, your 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 mindset, uh, which is what psychology is, right? Yeah, that that is what psychology is. I mean, obviously, I think if it was like in terms of religion, mm-hmm. say. Buddhists, they believe people are reincarnated. So I feel like if you're a Buddhist, you're going to be less likely to believe in someone hanging about as a ghost rather than you would be if you were, say, Catholic. Mm -hmm. As Catholics tend to believe you either go to heaven, you go to hell, Uh. or you float around for a bit. There you go. The well, old purgatory. Yeah, isn't that Richard Felix's favourite um, whipping boy, isn't it? Purgatory. Yeah, that's. Cause, I mean, uh, Richard's What is a Ghost is based entirely on the premise that uh, it's God fearing folk who didn't know, uh, who couldn't face uh, going to heaven or hell. And right, they're afraid. And couldn't endure purgatory that they had to, that they became ghosts. Mm hmm. Uh, and he he based his he has this idea that, that purgatory can be you know blamed for a lot of things, but of course he forgot when he wrote that uh, that idea that of course you could buy yourself out of purgatory, or if if in fact if you didn't, your relatives, your survivors, or your ancestors could buy you out of purgatory for a few uh, for a few silver coins or a few prayers or. Uh, a favour or two for the priest or the local church or the cha- or build a chantry chapel or there were lots of ways of escaping purgatory so it was hardly the <sighs> wasn't really that scary a place if you ultimately, well. well ultimately it wasn't but then you know I think I prefer purgatory over heaven and hell oh there you go well, purgatory, <laughs> well, yeah purgatory has more potential Probably a more interesting place. I mean, all the best people are in probably in purgatory. I mean, mm-hmm. if purgatory is the place you go where you haunt people, I think I'd prefer that than have an afternoon tea with Beelzebub himself. Mm. It's 
That's oh. that's interesting. So that you are saying that uh, if you haunt people, that means that you believe that ghosts are the uh, disembodied uh, souls of humans. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait, whoa. that's I just what even you I said. could. Even no, even exactly could, what he said. No, that is nothing. Even I could spot the warped logic coming from you. Then, if Helen said. Sorry, I'm jumping. Right, in. Helen can't speak for herself. Hey, like, well, me. no, it was just it was just the fact that you were I'm about sorry. To, you were about to get off on your high horse wrong again because Helen said if the word if mm-hmm. you then misconstrued the entire statement into some sort of warped, twisted way of supporting the fact that ghosts and apparitions are are indicative of survival of death research, which is completely different. Oh, uh, you're a good daddy, you know that? I'm not a good dad, I'm just stopping you going going down the wrong avenue again. Yeah, yeah. Stand, <laughs> yeah. Stand that up for your daughter, that's so sweet, yeah. Well, that's what dads do, but that's not the reason why I just did that, because if you, you say and I... So. If you say so, I'll take that. I'll take we've, that, that's fine. We've had this discussion countless times. I'll accept that, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> countless times. <laughs> So, Helen, anyways, can we, uh, can yeah. we talk to Helen? Steve, do you have any questions for her? Um, Since you don't like anything I ask. <laughs> Helen. Yeah. You've been to some of the, the some, some extraordinary locations I know of. You've been to, you, you've been to places that others can only dream of um, investigating. For example, Mary King's Close in, in Scotland uh, and, and others. Which was your favorite haunted location? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm probably I'm gonna say Mary King's Close because it's so different. I mean, you're underground. It's it's so cold, and to be honest, there's no such thing as daylight down there. So no matter what time you go down, it's dark. So I think for me, it was my favourite because it was the scariest place I'd been. Like, Camelot had its times of being spooky, but you'd go in the day and you'd be like, oh, I don't know why I was afraid of this place. But there's no chance of going to Mary King's Close and wondering why you were ever afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Helen, speaking of uh, Mary Mary Close Ghost, do your eyes get accustomed to the darkness? Mine, personally, I'm not very good at seeing in the dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's probably because I need to wear glasses and I choose not to, but uh, okay. I'm not very good at seeing in the dark, so I prefer to be in daylight. I find when I am in the dark, it's when I start seeing the things in the corner of my eye and my mind does start to play tricks because I can't see very well. Mm-hmm. In actual fact, I was uh, a dad thing again here. I remember uh, one of the reasons that we started to take Helen on investigations is that children have a unique perspective and Helen uh, right from the earliest age was never shy of being should we say forthright and blunt with with her observations of of situations like we talked about before Um, but that led her to you know, when, when she described an experience that she's had, that she had, and I'm not actually sure that she can remember some all of the experience that she that she had, but she did um, from time to time uh, find that she had seen something or had heard something that she couldn't, uh, or she didn't bother to try and explain it. She just described the event as it took place. 
See, I can only remember two things that have ever happened. I get loads of my friends asking me, have I seen ghosts when they find out what I've been, what I've done since I was so young? And there's only ever two I can remember. Mm-hmm. Which are? The, I once saw a steam train on an electric rail line behind my friend's house. And I can remember that one as if it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because it was the first time I'd seen a steam train, and I was so excited. Turns out steam trains can't actually run on electric lines, as my dad kindly pointed out to me. (laughs) And the other one was, I believe we were in Hampton Court, and all I can remember was being sat on a stairway where the stairs generally cross, and seeing something just move across the landing. And that's all I can remember, but apparently I've had a few more than that. No, that, that's fair enough. Uh, do you, uh, as a, a researcher, though, don't you write all your stuff down? I do, yeah, but at the end of an investigation, we'd hand it all over to my dad. and Oh, yeah. It goes into the black hole. Uh, no, it was, it was actually handed to me to pass on to Anne. So be careful where you go with that one, Ron, otherwise we'll get Anne on and you can explain that one to her. Um, but it was important that we collected all of the documents and, in fact, we still do have all of the documents pertaining to people's experiences, including Helen's, because people, as you just demonstrated, as Helen just demonstrated, people's memory does uh, become vague over time. It changes. And exactly. And that's why we have protected those experiences, those accounts, Uh, in a way that means that they're uncorrupted by being repeated time and time and time again. Don't we have a problem there, though, and and I'm thinking about this as you mentioned that, Steve and and Helen, is that when we do have an experience and and we document it, and and as you say, as time goes by, it it changes. It really does. I mean, we, we begin to rationalize, we begin to think. So as if the farther you get away from the, the experience, then the more explanations we have for it. And those that might not necessarily be the proper investigation, proper, uh, what are you calling it? Uh, proper whatever. Because yeah. it's going so far away. Yeah, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that's why it's, that's why we never, um, and this is something that's possibly even unique to parasites is that Anne had had realized this a very long time ago and we don't let people rewrite their notes. We don't let people correct their notes. We don't even let them change the spelling of their notes. Uh, immediately they come in from a, a, an investigation period session. Uh, we take the notes off them. Um, even if that means that they're very badly scribbled and badly written because they've been written in partial darkness, we don't give people the opportunity um, to rewrite them in any way, shape or form um, because immediately they start to rewrite them, they will start to correct them and they will start to change the odd word here and there or change it. Did I really mean to say that? Well, no, I, I, what you want is that raw first draft, um, however bad it is. And that was one of the advantages of taking Helen um, because she didn't put that, that additional layer of filtering that adults tend to put in. 
she would simply describe an experience without trying to rationalize it, without trying to explain it, without trying to dismiss it in any way. When uh, she was referring to the, the uh, figure that she saw, uh, which she talked about, at, uh, she just said, I saw a figure. And then she described what she saw. There was no attempt to say, but I think it might be due to, I think it might be, because that comes much, much later. Um, and in fact, now, uh, because she's done her first year of, of psychology, of course, she, she would, she would rationalise things more and differently than she would have done when she was age six, seven or eight. I'd just so, like to point out, even though I am a lot older, Mm-hmm. And I've done the psychology. Once I am spooked, I will not try and rationalise anything. It all becomes irrational and I am just a scaredy cat. So <laughs> I yeah. think that's then I'm always going to have an advantage of. I get spooked too quick. <laughs> but, Helen, uh, you know, you mentioned, like, when you, you went to Mary Cole's course and you're in a dock and then you... You, you you say you imagine things, but isn't that you're not really reporting what you saw? You're just kind of rationalizing what's going on at the time? I mean, now, looking back, it probably was my imagination with things I saw and heard and felt. But at the time, they all felt very real. They felt that that was exactly what was happening, that there was no way that my mind saw something walk past that doorway, something did walk past that doorway, and there was no way that I imagined a smell of burning, something was burning. It's more, back then, I would not have tried to have been like, oh, well, this happened because of this. I'd have been like, well, this happened because something's here and now I'm very frightened, and that would then lead on to something else. Well, so, but now you've taken his courses and, and, and say you go back with parascience and an investigation and something happens there, are you going to look at it strictly as the witness or are you going to be more rationalized? In other words, you might see a shadow and you'll just say, oh, that's from the corner of my eye, it's just my imagination, rather than before when you were young and uh, you wrote down, I saw a shadow from on the side. I mean, it is that going to change? Do you think it will change now that you're you're older and uh, and have this this information that you didn't have when you were younger? I don't think anything will change. I mean, obviously, after the events happened, I've moved away from it. Say something happened in one place, I went for a coffee later on. I'd probably try and rationalize it later, but at the time, knowing what my mind is like. I would do it strictly as a witness as this happened because I feel over-rationalizing something can be dangerous as it does lead to presumptions and they are just as dangerous as if you don't think about anything. If you just think, yes, that's a ghost and then you run away crying because you're scared. I've had... (laughs) Earlier this year, I was staying at my partner's house We'd been watching a load of horror films and we were sleeping in his front room. And out of the corner of my eye, in his hallway, I swear I saw something move. Now, at the time, I scared myself stupid. I would not come out from under the quilt. I was convinced (laughs) there was something in his hallway. Now, a few months later, looking back, I realised it was probably because I decided to watch a horror film. And my mind was just, there's something in the house. And then it just pictured something 
So it, it is more now a case of I'll rationalise it afterwards. But I don't think it's me trying to rationalise it to sort of dismiss it. It's more for my own comfort now. So I'm not as spooked by everything. I, I've changed my opinion of you then when I first started talking with you then. I can tell you that. With just with that statement you made. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a tricky situation because you want to be the witness yet it's difficult to not rationalize afterwards it it becomes difficult so i I may be parascience where they have a uh a uh, non-partisan observer and going through strictly the notes and uh uh, steve is when 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 you go through the notes do you correlate any data with the notes at the times and stuff like that is is that taken into consideration uh, down to as we we work to a tolerance of plus or minus ten seconds um, in terms of timing in, in relation to the notes mm-hmm. because we because it is important that you can relate the same experience to the to the correct physical event or measurement. Um, but I don't ever go through the notes. That's not my jo- that's not my job. My job is purely to collect, collect them back in again. Um, you know, well, I, it, I, I uh, was speaking as a, as a founder, one of the founders yeah, as as, as, as as a policy. Um, yeah. we, we, we do uh, recognise that it's essential that you understand the, the, the people who you're calling upon to conduct the investigation, the team members, because they are human beings. They, they have, as you heard Helen saying, that she gets frightened. Now, some people get more frightened than others. Some people don't get frightened at all. Some people have other phobias, fears, and other f- uh, physical uh, proclivities there are there are you know we recognize it within the team we have had over the years some people whose ears seem to pop frequently or that was what they reported some people had a, a propensity to to report smells some people had a you know other sort of uh things that were not unique to them but were were more likely to be reported by them and so we had to we had to sort of factor that in as well and in, in actual fact as it turned out we were we were investigating the team as often as we were investigating the location uh, because they were part they became part of the investigation I'd just like to point out as well when it comes to relating measurements to experiences I know from being in parascience whenever you'd have to stop and you'd have to tell everyone to stop what they were doing at that time when you were writing down what you were experiencing you had to make sure you were taking the temperature and do it taking all the readings off your meters and i know that they did get looked into then as well okay very good so uh helen what if you could investigate any place in the world what would you what one place would you definitely be on top of your bucket list the enfield haunting Definitely Ooh. Enfield Haunted. I I went to see The Conjuring 2 earlier this year. And uh, I'm I sorry. With Ed and Lorraine. Um, I'm not going to touch on them. But then afterwards, I rang my dad and I was like, oh, you need to go watch this film. It's really good. It's really spooky. And he told me to watch the one that ITV did, mm-hmm. which was more true to the story. And I remember watching that and thinking that would be the coolest place to investigate. <laughs> just because there just seems to be so much going on. Now, whether it actually happened or whether it was just a load of rubbish, I don't know. But 
I would love to go there. We end so up with that. We we do end up with that situation though, where where certain notable cases become more uh, desirous. You know, people want to go to Enfield. In fact, Enfield the house is still there, and it's been quiet for for donkey's years now. Yeah. Um, but if you take the case of a similar poltergeist. Like Borley too. Well, yeah. Borley. There was a history of Borley that went on into this into the eighties. In fact, the contemporary history of hauntings at Borley continues to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more difficult to investigate the churchyard there. But if you look at, for example, the Black Monk of Pontefract, um, a, another notable uh, poltergeist case from the nineteen fifties, sixties, there was nothing. There has been nothing until very recently. Uh, that ca- that case remained quiet, uh, like like all good poltergeists. It faded out after a few months uh, and and then became quiet. But it has it has recently exploded onto the paranormal scene. And in fact, uh, this year on uh, Halloween, there is a two hour special featuring I think it's Nick Groff and Amy. Um, who are, who are spending two hours at the the you know the the world's most scary poltergeist house, and yeah, you see, this is the problem. There are certain notable cases that get all of the recognition, um, meaning, of course, that uh, that other cases where stuff that's equally interesting to science takes place, but but sort of kind of just gets forgotten and kicked into the long grass. I, I think I might head up to Pontefract next week and take a look at this block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's 30 East Drive if you can afford it, H. I'll definitely go take a look. <laughs> it's, it's actually not very far from, from, from Nana's. Well, we're just about out of time, kids, so uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us, Helen, and, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I wish you the best of luck in your pursuit of parapsychology, and uh, who knows, uh, we may get to investigate sometime with parascience, so we'll see what happens. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Steve, any last men- mentions? Uh, no, we're just getting all prepped up here for Halloween because for the first time in, I think, 11 years, Parascience is doing a public event this year, um, albeit on a very limited scale. I think there's there's 12 spaces, and I think they've probably all but gone, but if you go onto the various, go onto the Parascience Facebook page, Mm-hmm. Uh, you might find details. It's up in Chester at the Minerva Tattoo Parlour um, on the twenty the twenty ninth of October, and it's I think the very first public event that Parasites have done for eleven years. I'm so jealous. I there it is. Good night. God bless. Long leggedy beasties and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.